0: Nation, what is going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Okay, we got two weeks down, down the drain, down the books, and the what do you say for this? Down the drain <laughs> is the,
1: the best way you could have just put I guess, that, Tyler. Right?
0: We just need to move on. you <laughs> need to get past what we've seen so far. And unfortunately, the schedule for the Buffs not letting any favors here. Buffs about to go on the road to Minnesota this week, and uh, look, let's just face it, things have not started. Uh, as we thought they might have, we all knew the Buffs had a tough schedule. We all knew opening up uh, with uh, uh, what was it now two weeks ago? I, I, you can—that's T- <laughs> how bad it was. TCU, can see TCU, I'm just, and Air Force. I'm just yeah, getting this out of my mind. TCU. I honestly thought the Buffs could have won that game, and I thought a big part of the, the TCU game, at least from a national point of view, was um, you know the spread. TCU is a huge favorite, but I thought that it was. A, a, a misrepresentation of how good this offense could be with JT Shroud. Now, this is before we knew anything with the quarterback position, before we knew that, that Brendan Lewis would start. And I thought that it was obvious they'd make the, the change in the offseason, which wasn't the case, right? And so TCU comes into Boulder, r- looks really good, you know, kind of embarrasses the buffs through the first uh, or through the second half, I guess. And then last week on the road at Air Force, it seems like there's been a little bit of at least a sliver of optimism the first two weeks of the season. So we're entering Week Three, 0 and two. Things are not very you know bright right now in Boulder. Uh, I'm Tyler Walji. He's Jared. All Jared, how are
1: you? I'm I'm doing okay. You know I, I I'm trying to to keep my optimism coming in, and all I can think of at this game is is weather, man. Weather weather was a factor, and I, I'm going to chalk up some of some of what we saw, at least some of what we saw on Saturday to crazy weather conditions that were obviously having a huge impact on that game.
0: I mean, we'll talk about the weather. Definitely had an impact on it. You still expect the Buffs to show up, be competitive, regardless of weather, but um, you know, we may as well start there. Uh, going into last week, the loss, at T- the loss at home against TCU, a lot of question marks about Carl Durrell, the offense, what were you going to do in-, in game two and make the switch? And they made the switch to JT, okay? Uh, I was impressed with the ability for Darrell to say, let's put Brennan on the bench, full game, give JT all the reps. I, thought I it was think good it's worth plan.
1: noting that, that JT got, did, like you said, every rap. They they did not bring Brandon Lewis in. This wasn't a, a split. Oh, okay, we'll give JT the start, but Brandon Lewis is still going to get his No, they 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 made a clear switch. I, I have heard no indication that's going to change, and I hope that that well, doesn't change. That's not so mean.
0: sure about that because a tweet from Brian Howell earlier this week <sighs> quoted Carl Durrell saying, they're back to not knowing who it is. Uh, <laughs> they're right back to it. And here's the issue with that, in my opinion. It's not necessarily the fact that you're in the situation of not knowing, even though you should be past that. It's the fact that you put JT in last game in maybe the worst conditions that you could have put him in. I mean, that was the worst possible situation. Now, he did go 5 of 21 for 51 yards and a pick. That's not good. QBR of 7. (laughs) 7. Not a good stat line at all. But I've been on the. JT, uh, I've been yelling for JT for a while now, and there's a reason for that. It's not because I have an agenda to JT Shroud. It's because I have an agenda to see competitive Colorado football, and that's all this is about for me. I don't, I don't know the kid. I'm sure he's a, I'm sure he's, uh, I'm sure both him and Brendan Lewis. They seem like great young men. They seem like you know, good head on their shoulders. They know football. They, they like Colorado. I understand all that. I just want to see us compete and win games. That's really my main prerogative with all this stuff. So, I don't think it's so, you know, I I don't think it's so crazy to say, uh, hey JT, get the get the start, go out there, it's your it's your it's your job now. But I do think a week after a monsoon game, which maybe it's a little hyperbolic to say monsoon, but it was raining like crazy there, not a good condition, uh to be back to the two quarterback system so to speak. Now, Darrell may be saying this for you know X's nose purposes to not give PJ Fleck and Minnesota anything to work with. It's a bad sign though. If, if in my
1: opinion, bad sign for the. I Bubs. think especially if JT is not the starter that comes out. I actually, as much as neither you or I are are a big proponent of the you know using two quarterbacks, I, I do think there is a certain angle that Brennan Lewis adds an element as a runner in there. If you wanted to maybe utilize some packages to get him in there, maybe as a way to take some pressure off of Clearly, Brennan Lewis is a better rusher, but he can't throw down Right, and that's what I mean. If you want to use a package where you get in, maybe in a goal line situation, something where you want to have that runner that you can utilize as a quarterback, I, I, I don't know. I, I I could see a scenario there where, where I wouldn't be irate to see Brennan Lewis come out, but if Brennan Lewis is the guy that comes out as your starter, if you just go away from from JT after that game. I, I think that's a mistake. I think you have to give him a fair shot to prove what he can do as a starter. Well, that's what we that's what I've been saying since
0: the beginning of the season. And the issue is that quarterback is a position that you need. It's like offensive line. They work together. You can't just plug and play. It's a totally different feel back there with quarterback. You ask linemen, you ask receivers, you ask running backs. The quarterback has their own little cadence. They've got their own way of talking. They got their own way of communicating when you're switching it up all the time. Yeah, it's going to throw off the quarterbacks. It's going to throw off everyone else around them, too. And I will say this. The receivers, did JT no help last game? I mean, they had several drops early in the game when JT's trying to get his confidence going. And I know, again... It may seem like I'm being a JT Shroud apologist, but that's not what's happening here. I want to see clearly and talk about clearly what's going on and what should happen in the future. And I think JT came out and played mediocre. He didn't blow the doors off. We're not saying it's Heisman contender JT Shroud and then bum Brendan Lewis. What we're saying is, I, what I'm saying is I believe JT gives us a better chance to win now and long-term.
1: Well, an honest, my honest opinion of JT is he was underwhelming. I, I think he was absolutely underwhelming in that game, and I, I I am going to really look at the circumstances, how this game started, the conditions there. I mean, the weather, that's first and foremost. That That's tough. You mentioned the drops. I think that absolutely had to do a lot with the weather. I think that the guys, you saw guys ditching the gloves, going with tape fingers. JT went and put on gloves. You could see how much it was affecting them At the start of that game, that was a big thing. And then, I mean, just look at that first drive. You get, uh, you know, I believe it started with a QB read where he gets hit in the backfield. So now, now we're second and long. And, and then the, the drop snap. It was a low snap. He obviously didn't get his hands on it. The and ball was yeah. wet. Fumble. Uh, and now, boom, three plays later, it's a touchdown. You're already behind 7 nothing. And I think that pressure got to JT a little bit. It's been a long time since he has been a starting quarterback for a football team, especially at this level. And I, and I do think the moment got to him a little bit there. And I think he needs, again, that that opportunity to come back again, reset and start fresh and I think hopefully have a little bit – play with a little more confidence in this game. I think he quickly lost his confidence in that game. Yeah,
0: but but it's, it's impossible to build confidence when your coach is threatening to pull you every time you have a bad game. Okay, You can't be afraid to make mistakes. Uh, also, uh, producer Ryan is out this week. I slid over to the producer chair. He needs a pay raise. You are so impossible to get your volume up and down for. It's like half the time you're screaming into the microphone. I haven't even gotten excited Half yet. the time you're just talking normal. <laughs> I- I'm adjusting your volume all the time over here. Good God. I don't know how he does it. You are all over the place. Anyway, Anyway, aside from production stuff uh what are your general thoughts on this offense i mean are you do you think there's like room for improvement because right now offensive efficiency the buffs are f- uh fifth worst in the country they're one of the worst rushing offenses i mean nothing's really going well right now for this offense so are you
1: uh is there room for improvement or is this what it is boy it can only go up i think you can say that that, that is one thing you can say but i actually again looking back at this last game i do have some reason for optimism he you know there were times the ball was put on open receivers on many occasions, balls were dropped. You know, I, I I think that you saw JT is more willing to open it up, attack the defense. So I again, I I, I go back to that. I think JT Stroud still gives you the best chance. I think he allows this offense to be opened up, and really, it does come down to getting that running game going. and 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 I want to just kind of really quickly touch on. Air Force's defense, and this, this team, this is a good team. This is a team over the last couple of years has been a top 10 top 15 statistically in the country defensively this is a really good Air Force team that I think everyone always when you see an academy team they just go oh yeah you know they're gimmicky they'll be hard to beat but this this Air Force team is beyond that this is a good team this is a team that I believe will be ranked throughout the course of this year in the top 25 and I think this is a team that could be a New Year's 6 type team being one of the best non big 12 or uh, non power five teams I think that you cannot overlook that the, the bus were going up against a good team last uh, week. I, uh, you don't agree? I mean, where have we come to where we're saying
0: a loss to Air Force is acceptable because they are a really, really good football team? I understand what you're saying, especially this year. L- look, uh, Calhoun, right? Coach Calhoun, yep. Troy Calhoun, he has that program on autopilot now. They, they have a whole staff. I was talking to my mom about this during the game. Uh, she's as big a CU fan as anyone out there who's not happy about stuff right now. But. Um, it was the idea that Air Force has all these different coaches who used to play there. And it's like, you know, uh, should you hire coaches to come back? Is that a good thing? And, and it helps they all know the system, but Calhoun has that thing humming, okay? So the idea that, you know, Colorado's a little bit behind where Air Force is now, it makes me sick. I can't believe that's the case. We're, we're supposed to be a Power 5 program, and and I actually agree largely with what you said. It just it's it sucks. It makes me feel uh, certain ways, you know, poorly about about this team, this this program, because it shouldn't be like that. I, I've been watching CU games my, my whole life. I, I I was talking to you before the show about this. One of the main reasons why I, unlike other people, I'm not thinking about selling my tickets, you know, season tickets. Well, I actually am thinking about it, but I usually lean with no because my family's had these season tickets for like 50, 60 years. I mean, over 60 years. It, it, it's it's crazy how long they've had this. So it's nostalgia for me, but a lot of people out there are saying, should we sell tickets? Do do we want to go anymore? And And the idea now that... Oh, Air Force. Look at that program. I mean, hey, that's a pro you tip your cap. They're a lot better than
1: us. I can't believe we've gotten here. That's why I, I think I think CU struggles aside. I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a step back going, this is a really good team. This is a team that I think would make a no- a lot of noise against top tier teams. Again, I expect I, I believe Air Force is ultimately a top twenty five team in the country this year.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm not again I I'm, I'm agreeing I'm not saying CU is better I'm saying they should be better and I'm just saying it's it's we've come a long long way to saying oh boy well you know it's okay the busted Air Force is a really good team it's like they play in the Mountain West I don't care the, the bar should be higher uh, Colorado's offense through two games, 125th out of 131 in terms of yards per play. The only offense is worse, Middle Tennessee, UMass, Boston College, Colorado State, New Mexico State, and Iowa. And so, you want to talk
1: about how how far we've fallen right now. Uh, I was As you started listing off teams, I just was thinking to myself, like, please tell me CSU is in that list. Please tell me CSU is actually worse than the bus. And that's about the only... Thing right now as a bus fan that you can hang your hat on is that you're not worse than CSU still, right? Oh my God,
0: again, has have things gotten that bad to where we're saying, yeah, look at CSU's test. School. That's what I never like to do. Like when I went back to school, I never like to say, hey, what that what they get down there? Oh, as long as I beat them, that's okay, right? It's like, don't you want to like set your own ball? Oh, I would don't love you to. Wanna, I would love to. Don't you want to, you know, be proud of what you've done and 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 be the reason why. You know, people are proud about CU football and, and no one right now seems to be. And I'm hearing a lot of this on social media, but they're kids. They are children. Stop yelling at the kids. All right. A few things. First of all, they're not kids. At this point, they're paid athletes or there's as close to being professionals without technically being professionals as you can be. Uh, number two. So that's number one. Number two. This is what passionate fan bases do. This is what good fan bases do. The louder and more upset fan bases get when you're having a bad season, that's a good sign, right? Uh, I, I like that the, the the Yankees and and the uh, you know names name look at the Broncos right here yeah. in the state. When the Broncos have a seven and, and ten season now, uh, people are up in arms. No one says you know poor people, poor people. Now they're they're college students, so I understand that. But I don't think it's it's unfair to expect more. I don't think it's unfair to criticize. But also most of the criticism, ninety percent of criticism's about the staff. Right? And that's what I players. was gonna
1: say. Is, is most of the people I mean, I, I think there's certain people, especially when you get on social media, that that cross certain lines, regardless of you're a, a player, a coach, a professional, or an amateur athlete, you shouldn't cross these lines that some people cross on social media. We we know that. That's what social media does. P- people, you know, feel very empowered behind their keyboard on Twitter. But it's but, not it's... But to criticize what we're seeing right now, if you can't take a look at this and realize that some criticism needs to be said uh, what are you watching i don't know what you're looking at. And, and, and there are a couple of them uh it was under the tweet that
0: you'd mentioned the the bottom 25 yeah and someone was responding to that going they're just they're just children it's like hold on a second let's stop being all sanctimonious here they're not just children they can handle it perfectly fine and this is what good fan bases do they they're upset when things are, are going poorly they want things to go well and cu is not It's not like it's been going swimmingly and all of a sudden they're falling off and everyone's mad. It's like, this is justified. And I don't really agree with the whole stop it, they're just kids thing. Uh, I think they can handle it. I got plenty of criticism. My My high school baseball team went to the Final Four, okay, in, in Colorado. And I know people are saying, Tyler, what the heck are you talking about? It's high school baseball. That's my point. You know how much criticism I and, our, and people on our team got for playing poorly, playing well, playing this. You know, you get publicized, you get stories written about you. That's what comes with this. If you can't handle that, you shouldn't be playing D1 football, in my opinion. So I think that's all a bunch of nonsense. If you can't handle it yourself, you know, and I don't know whether, sometimes I think, is it like, I'm like, are these some of the players' moms? You know they kind of they're kind of in that age range. They they Either kind of that talk like their that. burner account, right? I, I, I mean, mean it, it it burner seems account. like it, but even the profile pictures, it's like that's probably a player's mom, you know. And I'm it's like last name doesn't match up, but you know are, are there are there is it an alias? Is what's going on here? But that's what it seems like, and that's that's sort of the mentality that, that a lot of these people have who who say you shall not criticize. It's almost like the parent mentality, right? Hey, they're college kids. They're our college football team. We're not allowed to say anything bad. Actually, you are now. If we move back to the Mountain West, or we get split in a different division. We start playing Division II football. Maybe that's the case. This is supposed to be big boy football. It's supposed to be legitimate Pac-12 football. And Colorado's nowhere near that right now. And I'm not saying it's actually on the players. I believe this is a good enough roster to go uh, eight wins. I mean, and, and you may roll your eyes out there in your car. Let's be extreme, okay? Whenever you use examples like this, you have to take things, in my opinion, to the extreme to see at what point of demarcation we all agree or disagree on. Let's say Nick Saban came to Boulder, okay? This year, I'm not talking about recruiting. I'm not talking about the, the the hype. Just the just Nick Saban calling plays and directing the team, right? Leading the team. You don't think so you can get eight wins this year? Easy. I think they absolutely walked to eight right. wins. So my point is, it's not the roster. It's not it's not J.T. Shroud. It's not this defense who's looked a lot better than stats say, by the way. It's the coaching staff. And it's Carl Durrell. And uh, I actually tweeted this today. If you're not following us on Twitter, give us a follow at Buffs Podcast. Uh... I tweeted. Remember when it was all Darren Shaverini's fault? <laughs> you know, and isn't that funny how last year the pitchforks were
1: out for Shaverini? Not a lot's changed. And I've been, uh, you know, you 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 called me out on that a few times through the course of last year and in this year. And, I, and that's probably my biggest takeaway of this Air Force game. It, it, it's not the quarterback. It's not the the offensive coordinator, or the play caller. It's not any any of the players you're on out there. This starts from the top. Down. It is so obvious to me right now that the issues are at the very top. Uh, with it, this
0: it o- top Do you, you mean Carl Durell? Carl right? Well, I didn't know if you're going to a Rick George
1: angle. Uh, you know what? That's a little tough, X's nose wise.
0: But look, I've, I've been the first I mean, one to say. You know
1: what? Put some of this on on Rick George because he's the one that is making this hire, and he is the one that has the some of the decision making power to make things happen moving forward.
0: Uh, another tweet that I actually posted. I believe it was right after the Air Force game. Let me pull it up right now. Um, I, I I did tweet. Uh, I'm in control of the Twitter. Uh, this program it's needs dangerous. A complete... I, know, guys. I know. I know. This program needs a complete reset. Uh, Carl Durrell, I, I at, added him. Is, is that what the kids say? I added him. Uh, you're asking. You put the wrong a little person. at sign. <laughs> uh, Carl Durrell needs to go, and I also put Rick George needs to go. We need a fresh start in Boulder. Uh, I, and then I commented on it. Uh, Colorado's record since Rick George took over in 2013. Do you see this? Yeah. We are 43. In 64 with just one season over six wins. Okay. So there was that like 10 in the 10 win season in 2016, when we went to the Alamo bowl. I mean, you take away that it, this, this team is what, like, like 33 and, and, you know, 60, something like that. 33 and 61, uh, one season over six wins. And he got a contract extension last year. And I understand Mel Tucker was a tough situation. Okay. Rick George, Got Mel Tucker in here, and Mel Tucker, midnight Mel, left uh, in a very, very bad bad time for CU, left CU in a bad spot. But I will also say this. If Colorado was able to pay more money and match the offer, who knows what could have happened? A huge part of that was money. If Rick George had done his homework and vetted the candidates more seriously, he would have known that... Uh, Mel Tucker was an East Coast guy, didn't like Colorado at all. Mel Tucker, you know what all of his friends said when he came out? uh, It was a little, uh, it was a YouTube video I saw. And it was talking about the athletic, uh, the facilities at Michigan State. And Carl Durrell, it was like one of his uh, first months there. And it was like a little round table thing. And a couple of his buddies were there. And they said, he was never going to last in Colorado. He was never going to last out there. That just takes some homework. Rick George has to hire a company to, to, See, to, to do honestly, more homework. Tyler, this is such
1: a big hire. I think the biggest issue right now with with the the with Rick George and the Buffs coaching staff right now is, in my mind, they made the right hire. They hired the right guy in Mel Tucker, and then he burned them. He did something dirty. But, but, Jim, he, but- he 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 made them move in the wrong way. I I don't care. You need to hire a splash guy like that that you know is going to leave you in two to three years fair enough now, fair enough it, now May- the way he did it dirty dirty and maybe i'm
0: being too hard on rick george for having properly vetted and, and, and you don't get anyone who's gonna leave you high and dry maybe that's too much and maybe i'm being a little hyperbolic with that i will give you that jared but after the fact well before the fact okay mike mcintyre uh, McEntire, uh didn't really work out. Could have argued that he should have gotten another year. I'm not so sure with the last place finishes in the Pac-12 South. Midnight Mel, pretty good hire, right? And then this whole mess happens, and you bring in uh, Carl Durell, who was a last minute hire, but then you give him sort of the reins to 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 um and, and see. As I'm even saying is, this, is reshape be, the program. I no, mean, but that- because you want to do that for a head coach, I'm just not so so sure that.
1: It was the right hire. They, they, they,
0: they shouldn't have found someone else. In, that- in my
1: mind, I think the situation the Buster put in, there were limited options. This this was... At the time, you could kind of see, okay, they're trying to get ties back to a buff, a guy that's not going to do him dirty the way that Mel Tucker did, but... I look at this in hindsight as a scared hire. They hired scared. They didn't want to hire another guy that was going to leave them. I'm, I'm sorry. You want to get this program back to relevance. You need to accept that you are a stepping stone program right now. That's right. what you are. We're just talking about them being among the bottom 25 in the country, well, being a subpar team to a Mountain West program. I mean, that is the reality of where the Buffs are right now.
0: And also, I think that when you're going to bring a new coach on and you're going to bring some new, someone new to lead your program, you want that up-and-comer. Like, Mel Tucker was known across the, the, the college football world as the next big thing is a head coach in college football. Carl Durrell, the last time he was a head coach before Colorado hired him, was two thousand seven. That's before I graduated high school. Okay. Uh, the then he was uh, receivers coach of the Miami Dolphins, quarterbacks coach Miami, quarterbacks coach Texans, uh, quarterbacks coach Vanderbilt, wide receivers coach Jets, and uh, wide receivers coach Dolphins slash assistant head coach. Which, by the way, in the NFL, there's about four hundred and fifty assistant head coaches on every staff. So, what was this? This was a grasping at straws. Complete. I think uh, that. Uh, it, 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 they thought if they hired a, quote, CU guy, right, if Rick George brought a CU guy in here that no one really knew about, I mean, uh, no, well, he's not a bad coach. He's, he's been in the NFL for several years. He must be good. It, it seemed like something they didn't have where they didn't have anywhere else to turn. And I look right around our own backyard in the Mountain West. I see some hires that were just made. I mean, we, we could have pulled coaches from other Pac-12 teams. We could have pl- pulled coaches from Mountain West teams. We could have pulled coaches from uh, MAC teams I, I that remember, they were having success. I remember back
1: when, when they hired Mel Tucker, uh, a guy that I was pounding the table for was Lane Kiffin. He was a guy sitting at Florida Atlantic. Right. You're telling me he didn't want to get in a Power 5 program? Now he goes and lands himself at Ole, Ole Miss. You know, he's, he's taking a step past where CU is right now. And I just think a guy like that, a guy that I think brings some cachet, somebody that, again – Bring some attention to your program. Maybe he's only there for two years, but you have two winning seasons. You maybe get to an eight or 10 win season, and now the next guy you're hiring all of a sudden, the candidates open up to you because you're an up-and-coming program. Instead of you look at Mel Tucker leaves, you bring Carl Durrell, and honestly, I'm not even going to say Rick George blew it with that hire. I think he had was in a bad spot and made a safe hire that was going to get him, especially because, don't forget, this was right in the middle of the COVID, COVID pandemic hitting <laughs> right, right. you. So make that hire. But you are at a point now, it is so clear and obvious he is not the right guy and now the onus is on rick george and this the regents for cu they have to make this happen, or this program will get run into the dirt and fade into oblivion. And it's not just that he's not the right guy. It's that Carl
0: Durrell may be one of the most uninspiring head coaches I've ever seen. You know what? They could they, they could replace him with a mannequin on the sideline. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. No. You would not be able to tell the difference. Maybe if they blink. If you ke- kept the camera on their eyelids long enough, and you could tell after like a minute and a half, oh, that that's a mannequin. He's not blinking. Besides that, that's what Carl Durrell is. So the optics mean something. Optics really means something. I saw this video put out on the on the Buffs uh, social media account this week. It's like, grind, get better. Carl Dorrells on there going. We got better today. We got to practice. It's like, What's going? It's it just seems so fake. It's just like what's going on here. There's nothing to get excited about. This is a bad team, bad coaching staff. And I think the main thing right now is everyone in Boulder is just so sick of it. We want to see a better product on the field. Want to see a better coaching staff. So look, I know today's show is going to be a lot of kind of complaining. I think that's where a lot of Buffs Nation is right now. Uh, we will break down the Minnesota game here in a few minutes. But uh, you know, I just had to get that out there. It was a little bit of a tangent on the coaching staff. But it's hysterical that last year. The pitchforks for our Shiver- the pitchforks were out for Darren Shiverini. and it's like this offense looks worse. It was not Shiverini's fault. It, like he was a, if anything, it was a it was a net zero gain, right? He, maybe he didn't make us that much better. He certainly didn't make us worse. And that is a firing where Darrell had to do something, had to do something. Well, well, they're getting up in arms. We got to fire somebody. So what does he do? He fires the lead recruiter of the program, the best recruiter this program's had in the last ten years. Gone. And look where we're left now. You know? So that's also on Carl Durell. And if you're gonna be a good coach and have a spine and stand up for your guys, then make the right move that at least make this this team better. You don't bring in Minnesota's offensive coordinator who had a terrible year last year, got fired for putting, you know, one of the worst offenses on the field. Bring him in. Things every you know, you know, think everything's gonna change. It's worse. It's worse than it was last year. So anyway, whoo, okay. And deep breath. Um, exhale. You know, okay, like everybody, everybody
1: just pump the brakes <sighs> a little bit here, okay?
0: All right. Uh, well, Air Force got the 41-10 win last week. And, uh, I mean, I'm ready to turn the page unless you have anything
1: to add, Drew. No, I, I think I'd very much like to move on from this Okay.
0: One. As I mentioned, Colorado up to this point in the season through two games, Uh, 125th out of 131 for yards per play. And you may say, Tyler, yards per play, why does that matter? Well, that's one of the most telling stats that a lot of people who project these games, and if you look at sports bettors in Vegas, yards per play is one of the most indicating stats of anything. How effective are you every time you snap the ball on offense? Uh, Jared, you want to guess who the number one team in the nation is for yards per play? Is it Alabama? No, it's Minnesota. Oh, is it really? (laughs) It is the Minnesota Golden Gophers. They're averaging 7.41 yards per play. (laughs) and uh you, yeah. you just
1: had to. you had to just rub it in a little oh, bit oh you know huh? what
0: actually yards per game they're number 1 yards per play they're a little bit below that but oh, yards okay. per game minnesota is number 1 which hey if i'm uh, if i'm you know hyping up yards per play that's a good thing they're not number 1 in the country they're just a little bit behind that but uh, in terms of the total yards gained per play, per uh, you know game, what as far as i'm concerned Minnesota's tyler number one. if
1: you ain't first you're last okay. okay
0: so someone's watched uh what's that movie Talladega Nights <laughs> i actually watched that recently it's funny <laughs> um we're gonna go back and watch some old uh chris farley one soon
1: oh chris farley yeah. had some good movies No right. kidding. did you know that he was originally cast for shrek and and he really he passed away in the middle of that movie being made and then ultimately they turned to mike myers well mike myers was, yeah. was I money actually, for shrek yeah. you, you you have to feel like
0: that ultimately worked out for the best yeah, big chris farley yeah though yeah. yeah you think there's a portion of our audience who doesn't know who chris farley is I'm sure there is. There's. I don't know. To to I
1: mean, Chris Farley. He he transcends generations, right? Yeah, maybe you're right. I I, mean, I I don't know.
0: I'm not sure. I'd be curious. The... I'd be curious to know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. Let's get to it. Can you tell I'm just trying to talk about anything else but this game <laughs> right now? <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> uh, Minnesota. They are averaging 50 points per game. They have scored 100 points in two games. Uh, the CU Buffs have scored 11.5 uh, per game. Points allowed per game, Colorado giving up 39.5, Minnesota allowing five points per game. Uh, Total yards per game, Minnesota 582, Colorado 255. Through the air, Colorado's throwing for 143 a game, Minnesota uh, 280, and this is where it's going to be tough, Jared. On the ground, Colorado rushing for 112 a game, Minnesota for 302 yards per game. So clearly stopping the run has been a problem so far. TCU gained over nine yards of rush against the Buffs. Air Force destroyed that number last week. Now, although Air Force did it a little unconventional, we saw two weeks ago what the Buffs will do against a prototypical rush attack, which wasn't any better. But I will say this, these stats for the Colorado Buffs defense are a little bit skewed. In the second half of games, the offense has stopped playing, and it's been all on this defense. It was 7-6 to six going into the TCU game. Now, do we remember what that game ended up, Jared,
1: the final score? It, let's see. Give me one second. I could tell you that. It was... Falls. should, should we have a race fall. to it i got it 38 13, 38, 13. i had it oh, first come on we're in the tape <laughs> go back to the
0: tape folks you you, you be the judge and,
1: and even honestly this air force game early on there was opportunities for the Buffs at least to can keep this as a game and and, and again oh, no said, doubt second half it went off the rails so so
0: so tcu seven six at halftime they end up beating us 38 13 uh, Air Force game, it was uh, 20 to 10 at halftime. That, that's not out of reach. My God, that's right there with all the mistakes. You know what you could have said in a half? Carl DeBell could have gone in and said, look at all the mistakes we had. The drop passes, the fumbles, the missed four down conversions. We're only down 10 points. That's not what happened though. Second half of the Air Force game outscored 21-0. Second half of the uh, uh, TCU game outscored 31-7. to
1: that's 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 pretty rough. What is that? A quick math: fifty-two to seven. Yeah. That they're getting beat in the second half. And for what it's worth, I do want to put this out there. You threw out some pretty impressive uh, per game stats so far for Minnesota. For what it's worth, here are the teams that they have played so far this year: New Mexico State at home, Western Illinois at home. Okay. I don't know where they rank on the 130. I can't imagine they're too far off from where CU is right now out of 130 statistically. But the caliber of teams that Minnesota has played so far is a lower caliber okay, of
0: teams. So that makes you feel like CU is going to go in there and get the upset. Or is that what you're calling for?
1: I'm calling for a more competitive game <laughs> than what the no. uh, uh, sports books are calling for. Let's put it that way.
0: Obviously, you're right. Minnesota's had a much, much easier schedule than CU. Okay, so that's one thing. And then most teams in the country. So putting you know Minnesota up there in the stat, they're probably not going to end the season top 10 in a lot of these really important statistics. But um, you know, this is still a very, very good team. And there's rejuvenation with Minnesota because they got rid of their offensive coordinator, who's now in Boulder. And they look a lot better on offense. They're saying, thank God we got rid of that dead weight. Yeah, where is he now? Oh, he's coming to town this weekend. He's with the Buffs. No wonder, right? Um, So clearly stopping the run is going to be huge for the Buffs. But I I did want to put that out there. I think this defense is much better than the numbers they put out. Offensively, I'm actually gonna say the same thing. I think this offense is a lot better, or at least has the potential to be a lot better. Now, you put JT Shrout in a good situation in Air Force, Colorado Springs, where the sun's shining and it's a it's a you know classic week two game. He looks a lot better in my opinion. This offense looks a lot better in my opinion, and CU stays in that game. You see the reason why the Buffs stopped playing against TCU, things got you know, the going got tough and they quit. Same thing happened last week. The going got tough and they kind of stopped playing, it seemed like, in the second half. I didn't see as much of that as week one, but I still saw some of it. it. Uh, Which begs the question, what happens this game if things start going bad, you know? I want the Buffs to get off to a great start. That's very big in this game, I think. That's very important. Uh, Whether it's special teams play, you come out with a good stop on defense. But, I mean, I just don't (sighs) trust—we're back to it— Carl Terrell to keep these guys focused and I mean isn't that on the head coach or do you put that on players that they're losing focus week 1
1: No I I think that does go go to the coaching staff and I think it, it a lot of it is is a guy kind of quits with the effort when he no longer believes they have a chance to win. And and I think that's an indication about how they feel about this team when they're playing from behind. I think they have a lack of belief that they can dial up what they need to do to win. When you watch them coming out of half, they lack the motivation that they need to. They're not making the adjustments. These guys are smart. They're they're I mean, CU is not an easy school to get into academically. These are intelligent kids that they can see. They can feel the vibe coming out of the locker room if the coaches are not inspiring them to come out are not making the tweaks that need to be made in the second half. And I, I absolutely put that on the coaching staff. Carl
0: Durrell, and he's also been around the NFL for too long. He, Carl Durrell, you hear him talk about this. He goes, yeah, and I'll do my impression. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, He's like a Bill Belichick kind of, right? Yeah, you know, it's uh, on the players. You know, they gotta pump themselves up. They gotta make sure they're ready to go. Uh, you know, we can only do so much as coaches. We'll put them in the right spot, but uh, it's on the players. It's like, no, it's not. Do you know what college football is? No, it's not on the players. It's one of the most important jobs of the coach. It's to raw, raw, keep your guys in it, to always motivate them, to always how, make sure. How many
1: times do you see these top top flight football teams in college that have one guy that basically? carries him. I mean, right. whether that's a running back, a wide receiver, whatever. And why is a player able to do that when there are 22 starters in that team? Because a coach knows how to scheme for them. Look at what Le- uh, LaVisca Chenault did for the bus for a few years, right? I mean, the coaches understood this is the best guy we got. We need to get him the ball as much as we at can. At least
0: McIntyre knew that. At least he at knew least that. At least he could at run some offense. You know, I, I, it's, it's funny. We talked about this last week on the show. It's, you know... The fire McIntyre thing, I get it. You know, last in the Pac-12 South three years in a row, four out of five years. But I didn't mind losing 42 to 38. You know, those we were in games. It was always tough at the end. We competed with USC. Yeah, you weren't tempted
1: to turn it off before halftime. No kidding.
0: So uh, all right, let's let's look nationally. Here's what some people are saying: Why Colorado will win. And usually, when you see things like this, this one's from College Football News. Uh, you, you hear a lot about the team. you know, they've done this well, they can do this well. The why Colorado will win section of College football News this week, uh, it's all about Minnesota. <laughs> it's all about how last year the Gophers pitched an almost perfect game, 30 to zero on the road at Colorado, which that's just an antidote here, but they followed it up with a 14 to 10 ugly 14 to 10, oh loss, excuse me, to Bowling Green, right? Uh, there were plenty of struggles in 18, 2019 against Fresno State. Buffalo and other opponents that Minnesota should destroy. So the only saving grace here nationally for the Buffs is, well, Minnesota's really stepped on their own foot the last couple of years against bad opponents. Hopefully that's the case here with the Buffs. There's nothing about quarterbacks, nothing about this defense, nothing about the pass rusher rushing. It's all about, well, why might see you win? You know, Minnesota hadn't always been sharp every week in the past.
1: And I'm going to jump on that and looking at the way that Minnesota's played this year, they're putting up big points, they're dominating teams. You know what? Young kids, maybe some guys get a, a little bit of a big head. They go, "Oh, Colorado, one of the worst teams in the country. We'll steamroll right there. Look at what we did to them last year. Mm-hmm. Hey, you, you got it. You gotta hope for something here. And and boy, you mentioned that game last year, thirty to nothing. That was the worst game I have ever been to in my life. Yeah. I don't recall the fight song ever getting played the entire game. I, I don't ever remember a time that that happened. And so." I, I think when we look back at that, it's like, boy, was that maybe something, a moment we should have looked at and been like, what is to come from this? I think we all kind of chalked that up to a fluke last year. Uh, that was not a fluke. No. That, that is what this program has become, and, and that was an indication all the way a year ago when we saw that.
0: Uh, the why my, why Minnesota will win here? Yeah. Um uh, let's see here. It ran for, oh, Air Force is an outlier with its style. It ran for 435 last week at the Buffs, but TCU, We I mentioned that earlier actually in my breakdown. Uh, Minnesota, the one of the best efficiency rushing teams this year, and the passing game has been good. Uh, 600 yards through the ground, 300 more through the air, 12 scores in two games as we know. So anyway, uh, we don't have to spend that much time going through Minnesota. They are a good team. They're going to run the football. They play very clean, uh, more of a pro style attack on offense and defensively, they can get after the quarterback. They've done everything this year to stop the run, uh, pretty much. You know, get after get after every quarterback they've seen. So they do a lot very well.
1: And and if you want to talk any optimism for the Buffs, I I, I do turn to their defense and what this defense can do against the Minnesota offense. You mentioned we don't need necessarily break down a lot because you know what Minnesota wants to do. It is pretty obvious that allows the Buffs to. Put your full focus on that. I I think they have the athletes. I think they have the front seven to do it. I even look at early in that game last week against Air Force. The Buffs were doing some really good things, shutting down that running attack. They were limiting it. Maybe that's a better way of putting it, limiting their running attack in the first half. So if you can come out that way defensively and show up, keep this Minnesota team out of the end zone early on, And get this offense a chance to get going for the buffs. Get some of the you know get that that that, like you the first fifteen plays for this offense for the buffs to me is is so key. And I I say the first fifteen. That's typically what you is your scripted plays when you you're practicing all week. You have to come away with a touchdown on your first two drives for the buffs because if you can get a lead, allow this defense to play with a lead. I think this is a different football team.
0: Well, that's that would be a, certainly a rare spot for this team to be in, playing with the lead, but that, that's going to have to be the case. Now, let's talk about the Buffs because usually what we do on these previews, you know, for those new to the show, we like to go through what the opposing team does better offensively and then how the Buffs are going to face it and then defensively and then what the Buffs need to do. I mean, everything seems pretty simple to me at this point. We just need to see a clean football game and Ryan mentioned it last week, Producer Ryan, who will be back next week. Uh, he mentioned that he didn't think a moral victory was the worst situ- or the worst outcome ever for the Air Force game. Now, I pushed back and I said, hold on, it's Air Force Mountain West. We need to win this thing, or at least, you know, yeah, we probably need to win this thing. But Ryan said, no, 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 I think if we stay in it, look good, that's a moral victory. That's enough for this team right now. That's kind of where I'm at with this game. I've come in a- across the fence and I'm saying... Don't need to get the win, but we need to have some questions answered this game. Like, like Buffs fans can't come away after three weeks of non-conference seeing that again. Otherwise, I think changes may be made. Right? I mean, if, if the Buffs look bad, it's a seven and a half million dollar buyout for Darrell, and then they have to hire a new coach. So maybe that's the reason why not. But there have to be there has to be some kind of improvement this week for the Buffs. But let's start there on defense, Jared. And I think that you're exactly right. Um what I said earlier, this is a better defense than the stats show. I believe in that. And I think this front seven is is underrated right now. You look at how they can be going into the season, we knew the defensive line was probably going to be one of the best units on this team as a collective. They had a lot of experience coming back, some really good young players. Uh, I know that, you know they had, they had the uh, suspension, Janaz Jordan before the season started. Even so, I thought this was going to be a very promising front, you know, front three, front four, whatever the buffs came out in any given game. And then the linebackers, you look at Quinn Perry, you look at the speed they've got right now. This is a front seven that is, I mean, if you look at the stats, drastically underperforming. So I'm actually encouraged with what the Buffs can do defensively, but it all comes back to, do they stay in the game? Do they want to play in the second half? And, and you're right, Jared, the Buffs getting out to an early start is going to be everything this game. FCU. Can, I'm not even talking offense. Jared said touchdown, first drive, two, first two drives. I don't even need that. I need, let's have it 3-3 after the first quarter. Like, that's what, it's got to be, end of the first quarter, we are still in this thing. That's what I'm looking for here. However, you have to do that. Now, clearly, I think there's one specific game plan that's going to work for that. You run the football heavily. When JT Shrout does throw it, it's off of play action, screen passes, right? Things like that. Now, JT's going to go downfield on his own whim, we know that. But if you're drawing in these plays, harnessing JT, which he needs...
1: That's going to be the approach. Give him plays that he can be successful on. That Easy targets, easy completions. Get the confidence going for everyone on this offense. Excuse me.
0: And they need to eat clock. That's a huge, huge deal here. We said that about Air Force. Didn't even come close to happening, right? Because you get behind, you start throwing the football. Game plan goes out the window. That's got to be huge here. You You want to run that play clock down. Don't give Minnesota any time with the ball and keep these first downs going. Now, offense... Obviously, going to come down to quarterback. What do, what do you think you see? Prediction. Is it Brennan? Is it is it
1: JT? I, I think you'll see JT, at least to start. I, I won't be shocked if Brennan Lewis does come in. But based on what we saw last week, I actually lean more to think that JT will be the guy for the full game. Uh, I, I, I do so. think he gets at least this whole game to prove it, I, I, I mean, come on. As a coaching staff, you have to look back at the circumstances of that last game and go, "That was not a fair evaluation of what what." Don't they you? Have that seems obvious. That you have to look back and say, "Give him, a,
0: give him a real give, game here."
1: Uh, and you know what? If he comes out and just looks god awful in the first half, okay, I can understand maybe the idea of going, "You know what? We're going to make a move at halftime here and put Brendan Lewis in." I don't think that'll be the case. I think JT Show at very worst, looks. Better looks much improved. Uh, well, At least I he can throw week. the
0: ball downfield. Look, last year and in, in the spring game and in week one, pretty much every time Brendan Lewis has had the ball in a live situation, you know what it looks like? It looks like some millionaire went up to him before the game and said, Hey, buddy, I'll give you $1 million right now. I'm going to wire it to your mom right now. But the key is you can't throw past 10 yards, you can't throw it 10 yards downfield. And Brendan Lewis probably says, that's gonna look so weird. It's gonna look. So, aren't they gonna know? No, no, they're not gonna know. Just, just run around, throw it out of bounds. If someone's wide open, just run to the sideline and throw it out. That's what it looked like. It looked like someone went to him before the game and said, "Hey, buddy, here's the proposition." I can't tell anything else. It's like that's a, that's the best thing I've got. It's the most realistic thing I have. Uh, or, or he's just so you know afraid to throw an interception. I know I'm being tongue in cheek here, but there's a huge difference in what we see from JT and Brendan Lewis. And I would rather see JT Shrout go, you know, what he did last game and at least throw the ball downfield than Brendan Lewis, who's so scared to make a mistake, scared to make a mistake, throw it out of bounds. Well, what are you doing? It was fourth down. It was third down. Well, it was an interception. You know, that's what I feel like we get with Brendan Lewis. It's a joke. It's no good. I sold my stock a long time ago. It's gotta be JT. If anything, it's gotta be JT. Now, if they put JT in, he's got a bad game, has another seven quarterback rating,
1: go third string I agree at, at a certain point Drew, it's Drew Carter right? yeah you gotta see you know you can't just keep throwing these guys back and forth if if, if it's not JT uh, you know y- you gotta certainly discuss whether or not what you have behind you Drew behind Carter? those two
0: guys Drew Carter he's looked good when he's come in now I know it's been few and far between he's not looked bad we've got uh, and I know you you may be burning some red shirts things like that but uh, Maddox Cop, the 6'5 quarterback retro freshman Owen McCown I mean my
1: god And Owen McCown, did he commit... With Mel Tucker, was that
0: post-Tucker?
1: You know, I am not 100%. I want to say it was post-Tucker. I, I could be wrong.
0: I hope it was, though. but because a lot of these big recruits that Mel Tucker brought on are gone, and, you know, he got Jerry Rice's kid to come over. He got Josh McCown's and, and kid by to the come way, over.
1: Yeah, Josh McCown's kid. That's who Owen McCown is. Yeah. For, for those out there who are not recognizing the name we're throwing out there, Josh McCown played cool. many, many years in the NFL.
0: Quarterback family. I mean, that's this is, you know, the uh, kind of quarterback that you want, in my opinion. He's a, he's a sort of pro-style 6'2" but anyway i wonder if josh
1: McCown's available as a head coach he got he got a couple looks in the nfl last year bring him here (laughs) i'm in i'm in man i'm in (laughs) (laughs) right oh my god
0: but uh, i mean look if it gets to that point where the quarterbacks and jt's not looking like the one you got to go through you got to go drew carter at that point in my mind but this is coming from me and as i said earlier i've got nothing against brendan lewis he seems like an amazing young man i'm worried about winning football games here that's my main concern Uh, so the buffs offensively, I think they need to run the football, eat clock. When these receivers do have a chance, they need to step up. Now I've heard a lot of good things about RJ Snead that he wants to take control. He wants to be that go-to receiver. Um, I'm just not so sure. Let me actually pump the brakes on that. I was going to say, I'm not so sure this offense has what it takes to get those receivers the ball because last year what we saw so far this year through two games, but we all need to be careful because game one this year, it was Brendan Lewis, and then it was J T. Stroud coming in at the most inopportune times. And then Game Two was was this you know rain game where where the offense had no ability to get you know traction. This could be the first game where this offensive or where this offense, offensive coordinator, and team in general have an opportunity to run their game plan, have J T. look comfortable the whole game. I mean, this could be the first of the new buffaloes, and I would be very, very happy. I would be nothing would make me happier than to come on and say maybe I was wrong about what's yeah, going maybe on. Maybe we program. overreacted. Maybe right? we overreacted about Darrell, and it is our job to do that, right? I worked in radio for ten years. They, the one thing that they never said is, yeah, don't, yeah, go on there and underreact. Let's undersell this, right? We've been doing this podcast now for a couple of years. There's one thing that a lot of you don't like: it's when we come on here and just yeah, let's just be vanilla we like to react. We're Buffs fans. We're talking to Buffs Nation. This is sort of our job, but I would be very, very happy to say, you know what? Maybe things are going okay. Maybe we overreacted. That's perfectly fine. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to say that. So, you know, I know things are kind of down right now in Boulder. I know things are, are, are bleak, but if there is one, one, one sense of optimism or one potential sign of optimism, it could be this weekend. Because as I said, you you throw away the TCU game, you know, split quarterbacks, 7-6 at halftime, fine. You throw away the Air Force game, you know, it was raining outside, a lot of mistakes in the first half, drop balls, fumbles, fine. We don't want to make a habit of that. Every loss we have, but... Well, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But I think that if they go on the road at, at, at Minnesota and they look good and JT plays the whole game, good quarterback rating, and this team looks competitive... I'm going to come in here with a much different tone next week, Jared. And I think there could be a sign of optimism if that happens. So uh, do you have anything to add before we wrap things up today? I just
1: want to sort of shed light on one player that to me has been a little bit of a surprising bright spot for this Buffs offense and in in very limited glimpses that you've seen some really nice bright spots. And that's Deion Smith as a guy yeah, that for sure. has been buried on this depth chart for years. Finally, he's got his chance and. Man, he has some juice to him. I know that's a that's a term that Carl Durrell used a few times last year to to uh, describe Jarek Broussard, and he sort of reminds me of that a little bit. He's got a little bit more of that really get up to speed quickly than what you see in Alex Fontenot. And Alex Fontenot is a solid, well-rounded back, but I'd like to see Deion Smith get get a little bit more of a look in this game and see if he can't bust a big one, you know, and and sort of maybe put this team on his back a little bit to take some of that pressure off of J.T. Trout and this passing game. And I think the opportunities are there. I'd like to see him get more run early in this game. If
0: there is one position that I think CU's great at right now, it is running back, you know? Uh, Darian Hagan has done a really good job bringing running backs in from all over the country. I mean, I was see, I was doing some little, a little deep dive today on this bus roster. And I was reading about, uh, I mean, obviously we know a little bit about jail stacks, right? Uh, he's got a little bit of time, but Victor Ven. you know, we haven't heard Victor Ven a lot this year. You know about Victor, right? Yes. Yeah. He was a lead running back for three times state champ in Georgia. Got a lot of different looks, a lot of different offers, Chose to come here with the Buffs. And, you know, it's players like that that you worry about. You know, does he start to get a nose for somewhere else? Does he start to say, you know, what's going on here? Because the Buffs have talent. As I said to start the show, and as I'll end on, this team has talent. I am not worried about the roster. Okay. Uh, Do I think that they have the talent to win the Pac 12 and make a national title run? Probably not right now. But as we said, if, if Nick Saban were here and nothing else were different, this is an eight win team, at least I think. So the talents here, what we have to, as, as fans of the Buffs and as a lot of us longtime supporters of this team, what we have to worry about now, and, and I don't like saying worry about, but I think the main next step in this evolutionary process of the program is if things do, do start to fall apart, this program and this team could get bad in a hurry. All it takes and now in 2022 is some transfers and then your buddy transfers and then you're looking to go somewhere else. Like there's clicks within the team, there's there's friends within the team. It makes it a lot easier when three of your best friends are getting up and going to Tulane and USC and Idaho. Yes, I use those schools specifically cuz three of our players went there last year. You know, that's what's going to happen. And so that's my concern is that if we don't turn things around and Crawl the rail gets replaced, right? Because a coaching change tends to fire up the fan base and the players at least momentarily. If things don't change quickly, that's my my concern. Is that we're gonna go from a what should be competitive team in the Pac-Twelve to a bottom dweller as a power five very quickly. So that's my concern here. And I don't want
1: things to start going off the rails after week three, but that's is that is what could happen. And something I know, Tyler, you and I have talked about a lot off air. We've brought it up a little bit on this show is the the dynamic within college football is on the brink of changing drastically. And I think CU needs to think with a long-term lens in what they do with their decision-making from the top with Rick George down moving forward in the next six months to two years. Because in that time frame... Things could change drastically, and if you're a team that is a bottom dweller, you could get left behind in what is the future of college football. CU has always been able to hang their hat on their heyday in the '90s and the '80s, when they were really good, so people always say we can get back to that. That's what that's what you've always been able to hang your hat on. You get left behind in this. Right. There's no coming back. And, and a lot of this is on the regents, right? We're looking at
0: CU regents here and uh, CU boosters to step up and and honestly, it sounds weird, but donate money, care more. And I've got one thing here. I did see this on Twitter recently. Uh, I want to start bringing some attention to this. Frank McNulty is running for CU Regent, and he's apparently very focused on athletics, uh, this football team, and I mean, there's been a lot of talk lately because as according to Silver underscore Buff, uh, Silver Buff, who I think we follow, if not, um, we'll, we'll start, but he says here, CU really needs to limit control, Regent control of athletics. No one voting for Regents actually looks on their stance at anything. They just see the, uh, party affiliation on the ballot and vote them, um, and then another vote or another a tweet by that same account. I'm researching the region candidate's stance on athletics. This November is a chance for fans to show Regents what CU athletics means to them. Most don't at, don't mention athletics on their on their pages, right? So most people running for a region of CU, they don't care. They don't give a damn about the football team. They may say they do because it's going to get them elected and write my name down, but they don't, right? And don't you think it'd be smart for a few of them just to put up something up on their webpage, on their website? Hey, how, we care about how hard
1: is it? T- right? Tell me you don't have a, a PR person in charge of all of this, anyways, probably. Nobody.
0: Right? Nobody. Uh Amy Nay, right? Wanda for CU Regent. Like these people, uh Jack Barrington, those names are not favorable if you're a CU fan, and this is what it's gonna take. Is a change in the People pulling the strings, right? The regents, the boosters—that's where this program is going to live or die, and it's going to happen quickly. There is no time to act. There is no time to, or there is no time to react, right? You have to be proactive with all this stuff. Musical chairs—it's going on right now. The music is playing, and see who's going to be left without a seat if they don't make the right, the right choices with with regents. And this comes down to voting. This comes down to you and Boulder in Colorado making the right choice there and voting for the right person, which. I believe at this point, is probably Frank McNulty. I think he's going to be the one who gives to the program, gives, gives them what they need, and hopefully sets them up in the right tra- tra- trajectory. So, uh, all right, trajectory. Anyway, I know, that, uh, let, let's not end the show with a non-word. Trajectory is what we're going for there. <laughs> all right, uh, score, predictions, and then we'll get out of here. I picked the Buffs to win the first two weeks. I, I, I just can't do it here. I mean, Minnesota's look so good. 600 yards on the ground. 12 touchdowns so far. Uh, I just think it's going to be too much for the buffs. Now, what I'm hoping for, the buffs get off to a fast start, stay in the game. I think mean, Minnesota may be a little bit through 60 minutes. So I'll take uh I'll take the Buffs losing in a close one, 23 to 17.
1: Yeah, I I, I see foresee something very similar. I I I really, really call me crazy. I'm holding out optimism that this buffs team looks good better. Mm. Looks competitive. Stays in this game. Particularly the defense. So I'm going to call for a low-scoring game here. I think one that the Buffs lose in a close game. I'm going to say 20-17 to the Buffs mm. lose.
0: Alright. Well, oh, Jared. Let's hope that next week when producer Ryan's back, things are uh, looking a little better, right? I mean, best case scenario, we're 1-2 going into Pac-12 play. I would be thrilled. 1-2 and two going into Pac-12 play. Uh, middle case scenario... Buffs look okay, right? Something to talk about. Worst case, and we're talking coaching staff for half the show again. So, let's go Buffs. Show up. Show Minnesota the team you can be. We'll talk to you all next week on the Buffs Nation podcast.